0: Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new episode of Geek to Me Radio Tonight. We have Emmy Award-winning writer Stan Berkowitz on. We're going to talk about a lot of his work in the superhero genre, from the live-action Superboy series, to Batman Beyond, to Justice League action, and more. Just stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games, and if you don't know, Star Trek we we'll try to explain. The adventurers will chances. Around the greater St. Louis area tonight, listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS. Hello to all of you, and thank you very much for tuning in after Outdoors, Dan. Make sure you stick around next hour, Max on Movies. Max Foysie is here to bring you the latest in movies and film. But for right now, You're mine for the next hour. And for those of you who might be watching on YouTube and Facebook, hello to all of you out there who are watching tonight. We have video, which means Joey V is back in the studio with me once again. If you're streaming us out there on the web, on the KTRS app, or however you might find it, hello to all of you as well. And last but certainly not least, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form, we appreciate you finding us there. Hopefully you've already subscribed, left us a nice five-star review. That always helps us out in search engine optimization, and we appreciate that greatly as we do all of our listeners. Uh, My next guest is an Emmy award-winning writer known for just um, more stuff than we'll be able to cover tonight, but we're going to try to get to it. He's got some fantastic stories about working on this project. Uh, Please welcome to the show right now, Stan Berkowitz. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you, James?
0: I'm good, good. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know we just had you on, Susan and I, for the Justice League Revisited podcast. And as you know, I, I looked over your IMDb... To get ready for that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to have Stan on my show because there's just so many things I would love to talk to you about. Uh, You you sent me some chapters of some different excerpts from some of the stuff you worked on, both with TJ Hooker and most recently you sent me the one about the Superboy, which are hilarious stories. I almost don't know where to start. So when you're interviewed, where do you like to start, Stan?
1: I want to start with you. I want to ask you, which show, which uh, superhero show was your first one, your, your, your introduction to the culture?
0: I'd say that the age I was at, watching cartoons in the 80s on Saturday morning, I honestly don't know if it was Spider-Man and his amazing friends, or if it was Superpowers Team Galactic Guardians, because it was right <laughs> in that early 80s time slot, and I know those were my introduction to Marvel and DC, respectively.
1: Good. Okay, so it's good for me to know what your what your reference point is. Mine was the uh, George Reeves Superman back in the early 50s. So I I don't want to talk to you you about anything that uh, you might not have seen.
0: No, and I, I obviously as a superhero fan, I remember seeing those too. Uh, when, when I was again, when I was little, I grew up in the '80s. My family we we had a, a literally in the house a reel-to-reel projector, and I get to watch Mighty Mouse. And he, my dad had a couple of those George Reeves Superman ones on reel-to-reel. Yeah. We'd, we'd open the big screen in the family room, and we'd watch home movies, and then we'd get to watch the cartoons like Mr. Magoo and Mighty Mouse and the George Reeves Superman. So I I, I know those well.
1: Well, one of the biggest thrills I had was back on the Superboy show where we got to hire the two actors who played Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen, Noel Neal and Jack Larson. So that was really it was, you know, we we flew them to Florida from Los Angeles and it was was a great week while they were there. A lot of reminiscence and things. So very, very happy to have done that because I grew up, as I said, on the, uh, you know, on the old Superman show and loved it. I mean. It's hard. It's hard to explain how big of a phenomenon that thing was. Yeah. Because when it was on, everyone watched it. All children watched it. And then, of course, there was that that awful feeling that you heard on the playground when George Reeves died. Um, you know, f- for a lot of kids, it was probably uh, one of the first uh, experiences of death yeah. that they had.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's. So, um... And in the chats, I just noticed we've got our friend Chance from Atlanta, Georgia, listening in. Hello, Chance. Uh, Those, I believe they were 16 millimeter films. He asked about the home movies I was referencing. I think they were 16 millimeter films, Chance. Um, But to your point, Stan, I I felt that way. And I know it's not quite the same, but when I'd come home from high school, they were showing reruns of the 66 Batman series. And I was actually at Superman Celebration in Metropolis, Illinois, when the word came down that Saturday that Adam West had passed away. And that was like, oh, man.
1: You know, I got to meet him. I I wrote uh, something called Superhero Squad for Marvel. And uh, Adam West was hired to voice uh, a character in one of the scripts I wrote for them. Uh, He played kind of a version of Batman, but obviously not Batman. Yeah. And it was... It was just so much fun to to hear him do that because it was essentially the same voice that he used for Batman,
0: right? And they did was, was that the, the Batman animated series? They had him in for Gray Ghost.
1: Yes, they did. That was before my time okay. on that show, though. I, I didn't I didn't meet him then, but it okay. was really fun to to have him in a recording session.
0: That is kind of nice the way the DC universe does that. Cause I know when they had the brave and the bold, which was obviously Dietrich Bader was uh, mm. the head of that one. They brought mm. in uh, Kevin Conroy to voice Batman mm. of Zura and R. So I, I think mm-hmm. that DC there, especially their animated people, I'm assuming that's a lot. Bruce, Tim and Paul Dini have a lot to do with right. all that, that they really do have a great respect for the history that's in front of or behind them of uh, DC classics.
1: Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I, I, Before I even worked for DC, I certainly had a lot of respect for the Superman um, uh, story by bringing in, you know, Jimmy Olsen and uh, Lois Lane. They didn't play Jimmy or Lois. They played other characters. But, you know, know, we're fans. I mean, we start off being fans. I was a huge fan of that. uh, You know, as a three year old, four year old, I was a huge fan of uh, the George Reeves Superman. Loved that thing. Have
0: you ever then, been uh, to Metropolis, Illinois, at their their Superman uh, area they've got there for the any either the celebration or just a tour through the town?
1: No, I haven't. Is that near where you are now?
0: No, it's uh, I what about a three and a half hour drive, uh, three hour mm-hmm. drive from here. It's probably as long from here to there as it is from St. Louis to Kansas City, um, oh. but it's it's down in southern Illinois, and they they actually had a statue dedicated to uh, Noel. And she came for the statue dedication. I think it was oh, maybe wow. a year and a half, two years before she died. She, she They brought her in as a special guest to dedicate the statue of herself, which was so nice.
1: She and Jack were so great to work with. I can imagine. Lo- loved, you know, loved all that history to, to talk about. It's great.
0: So I know when we had you on the Justice League <clears throat> Revisited podcast, and for those of you who don't know— You should go find Justice League Revisited wherever you get your podcast from. As if I'm not busy enough, I started a second podcast because I'm a glutton for punishment with the voice of wonder when Susan Eisenberg and Stan was kind enough to join us there and talk about the episode in Blackest Night that he wrote for that. Um, Looking at all the stuff you've done, too, when you first got into uh, you're going from Superboy, which is live action into the animation, and I know you talked to us about what that transition was like. But did you have any expectations going into the DC Animated Universe? Whether things would be similar, different, better, worse? Uh, what were those expectations met?
1: Well, it, between uh, Superboy and DC Animated, there, were, I spent two years working with Stan Lee at uh, Spider-Man. That's right. So that Spider-Man was my initiation into animation. That's right. Yes. Um, what, what we're told what live action writers are told when they, when they start animation is that in animation, you don't have to worry about budget. You, you, whatever you can draw. I mean, if you, if as a writer, you can describe it and the artist, if you describe it well enough so that the artists understand what it is, you can pretty much do anything in, a, in, 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 at least in 2d animation, mm-hmm. When they started to switch over to three D animation, there are much more constraints about budget because you're um, you're not literally building stages, you're not literally building characters, but within the computer, that's the the phrase they use. You're building something. Right. That takes right. time. That takes money. So you have the same kind of constraints you have in live action, and you know you can't use too many sets, you can't use too many props, you can't use too many characters. So it's a whole different thing. But initially, Spider Man. And then the first years of DC Animated were were all 2D, so it was great. You could just basically write whatever you wanted, never had to worry about budget.
0: So when was that shift made, like 95, 96-ish, or was it a little bit later?
1: A a, a tiny bit later, and it happened very gradually. At at DC, they'd use a little bit of um, CGI just for this or that. In fact, actually, they were using... um, Video, sort of a CGI thing, even on the live-action Superboy, but just a very, very little Hmm. smidgen of it. Um, Now, of course, it's almost entirely CGI for a lot of shows.
0: Yeah, I was noticing, I was going back and checking out some of the old Superboy stuff, and obviously you guys had Bizarro on there. uh, We did. And and Gilbert Godfrey, guest star on that show, and we just lost him recently. But I was looking at the difference, because I was thinking of the parallels, (laughs) too, between Superboy and and Smallville where it was kind of seeing the buildup to him becoming Superman. There was no Superboy, it was just Clark Kent as he became, did Did you watch Smallville at all? And did you, did you notice any parallels? Cause Smallville also had those, like they had uh, Margot Kidder on the show. They had some homages to sure. the older Superman. Sure. Did you, did you watch that show or follow it at all?
1: No, <laughs> I was, I was, no, I was busy doing other stuff. Sure, I mean, it, you know, I was working and doing all these other shows and, uh, didn't really have time for Smallville. Um, they in in Superboy they had Smallville, but of course the difference was that in in our version of Superboy he wore the costume. Right. It was more like the comic book. I mean, the the very for me it was TV first, then comic books later because mm. I was so little when the George Reeves thing started that I could not read. I you know oh, I was too young to read. So the, so TV came first, and then. When I was about when when I was about eight years old, um, I was sick. I was just staying home sick, and my dad brought home some these things I'd never seen before called comic books. <laughs> one was Detective Comics, and the other one was a Superboy. Superboy uh, thing from I think nineteen fifty eight was the mm-hmm. year, summer of fifty eight. And then many many years later, when when I was hired to work on Superboy, I was brought to New York, where you know DC has a, a huge library. And it was just the weirdest feeling, you know, going in and and actually touching that comic book that I'd had, you know, when I was eight years old. Hmm. I still remember it. It, it. I'm sure none of your listeners remember it, but that, it you, was uh, it, it was an adve- it was actually adventure comics, not yeah. Superboy adventure yeah, yeah. comic, and it was uh, Superboy playing all the positions on a baseball team <laughs> using you know like Flash type uh, super speed to to be everywhere at once.
0: Yeah, those um, those adventure comics, that dovetailed into, I think he ended up getting his own series. If I'm not mistaken, it was a little early 60s maybe, but 58 would have been right for adventures.
1: Right, adventure yeah. comics and then detective comics. Those were the two I got on, on that one night, so, along with the medicine that he had gotten from the pharmacy.
0: <laughs> Boy, um, I don't know. If I was put in that room like you're talking about, I don't know that I'd ever want to leave, because they have a library, the catalog they've got of all the comics going all the way yeah. back, man, I, I don't know if you could, you'd probably have to drag me out of there. Uh, cause I'd be like, no, just slip food under the door. I'm going to be reading for the next 10 years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a show to do. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They didn't, allow, they didn't allow me to stay there very long. <laughs> so but they, they, go, right, ahead. Sir, go ahead. Sorry. They really have a lot of respect for, for their, their history.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So from the time you're assigned to the show, How much time of prep, like you said, they they gave you access to the archives. How much time of prep did you have until they had to have that first draft or those first season draft or springboard or whatever turned into them?
1: It's a couple weeks. Okay. Wow. I mean, you know, you you don't do the, you don't have all the scripts ready before a shooting starts. Usually you're lucky to have one script ready, Mm. you know, so it's a, it's like a assembly line type, type thing Uh, for most shows. Yeah. At least for most of the shows I've done, it's, it's the assembly line where you start off with one or two. And then while you're while they're in production, you know, new scripts are being written by by your, your staff writers and your freelancers.
0: And I know we've had a lot of people on the show because everyone knows who listens to this show uh, that I'm a huge fan of voice actors and the, and the cartoons of the 80s and 90s and everything like that. So we've, we've actually had Alan Burnett on, we've had Dan Reba and oh. we've had Rich Fogle on, but one of the shows that I think changed the game in a lot of people's eyes was Batman Beyond. Because it just, it, it nothing had ever been like it. We'd seen Batman get his back broken. We'd seen Batman and Robin. We'd seen Batman and Nightwing. But this was like a new level. And I remember thinking when they announced it, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like it's going to be any good. It's not Batman, really. But I watched that first episode when they primetime debuted it, and I was hooked. I'm telling you, I'd, I'd never seen anything like it. And just with the voice acting, with Will, between Will and Kevin, their chemistry. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you bring in Cree Summer to play Max. Um, what an amazing show to be, to be part of that. Cause I think you wrote 44 episodes of that show, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Uh, I think it was around 50
0: more than, okay. Wow. So, I mean, that's what was the sense of going into that? Cause it was, it was taking a big swing and it could have backfired, but you not, you all knocked it out of the park. What was the feeling of the production staff and the writers and the uh, directors going into it? Were, were there any nerves or like, Oh no, we we know what we're doing. We're good.
1: Well, there there probably was a lot of confidence because um, I, I didn't start on uh, Batman the Animated Series, but th- those folks had, mm-hmm. and they'd gotten a, a lot of um, really good feedback. They'd won they'd won Emmys, and th- there had to have been a lot of confidence on the part of the artists and the writers and, and the actors as well. Um, the I mean, Bruce Tim has talked about this. Um, the initial thing the initial concern was um, showing Batman as a, as a very young character and they kind of um, pushed back against the, the network on that one issue. So instead of having young Batman, we we kind of split the, 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 the hero, neither hero is a complete person Mm -hmm. or a complete, a complete hero. Bruce is too old. Um, Bruce Wayne is too old. And, um, And Terry is too young. So rarely do you see each of them needed each other. Each of them resented needing the other. And that was it was fun to write for that dynamic. Yeah. Um, But rarely do you see a a superhero show where where they're where (laughs) where you have a character where where you don't have one character who is complete in himself. Each one was incomplete and they needed each other.
0: Yeah. And that was always on display From what would be at the time that Bruce Wayne went missing and Max and Terry had to find Bruce or, uh, you know, when when Terry's knocked out completely and Bruce has to put on the, the Mr. Freeze gun and the goggles and come in to save Terry. It was always yes. that back and forth to that really show. Yes. I mean, the series did a great job, to your point, of s- showing what a relationship the two of them had and how they both brought their own strength to make Batman as a kind of the symbiote. Exactly. Mind.
1: Each was, each was inadequate on his, on his own. And that was, it was fun to write for that because each, each knew that the other was inadequate and they, <laughs> they, they always, they always reminded each other of that.
0: But then there were those it, great it moments a- when they, they would acknowledge that. Like when, uh, when I can't remember who the villain was, I think, was it spelled by when, when Bruce is laid up cause he's, he, he's hearing voices and everyone thinks he's going crazy.
1: Oh, that was shriek
0: shriek. That was it. And so at the end, Terry says, how did you know you weren't going crazy? And Bruce says, the voice I heard in my head called me Bruce. That's not how I dress myself. And Terry's like, what do you mean? And Bruce just looks at me. And goes, oh, yeah, because he calls himself <laughs> right. Batman. But he said, right. what a great job you did. And you know, it's not you. The, it's not Batman that makes you worthy. It's the other way around. Bruce gave him that that kind of pat on the back like you did a great job. And those moments were so great in that show because of the aforementioned dynamic.
1: Yeah, and, and rarely did they, did they, did either of them tell the other they were doing a good job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you're just now tuning in, we're talking with Emmy award-winning writer Stan Berkowitz. If you have any questions for Stan, by the way, I, I I'm not. I, I saw. Um, uh, well, we do have a new chat. Someone else has entered the chat. There is a Dan Reba in the chat.
1: So oh, hi, Stan. Hi, Dan. You are
0: the greatest. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Dan. He, he's a, a great animator. Really terrific.
0: I, Dan and I have talked before about how we how much we love when he does his drawings. He does uh, all through October. He did the monster drawings. He did it again this year. His little doodles that he does, and I say doodles, but they're like full blown. I would pay five hundred dollars for that post it, please, and uh, of man bad all the monsters he draws. But yeah, we obviously Dan's. We've had him on the show many times. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, and Chance again from Atlanta said Newton before the original before Gerard because we had two Super Boys in uh, right. two live action super boys um, but if you're just now listening we're talking with stan he's going to be with us for the rest of the hour we are going to take a very brief commercial break we are going to come back in just a few moments so if you do have questions like dan or like chance you can text us at eight four one two six if you're watching it on youtube or facebook you can just enter your comment in the chat i'll try to keep a better eye on it i apologize and, of course, you can give us a call with your question at 314-931-5877. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by.
1: Hi, this is Carl Lumley, and
0: you're listening to geek to me Radio. Carl Lumley bringing us back from break. Martian Manhunter from Justice League Unlimited. Always love hearing those voices bring us back from commercial break. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. I'm your host, James Enstall. We want to make sure we tell you about Our official comic book sponsor, Bugs Comics and Games. If you are anywhere in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, if you go out 364 or Highway 70, you'll hit Bryan Road. Off of Bryan Road resides Bugs Comics and Games. Yes, kids, it's an actual brick and mortar comic book store. How quaint is that? It's fun to go in there and browse the comic books. I've always talked about it. Stan Lee famously said when someone asked Stan Lee if comic books will ever be replaced by digital online books. And Stan Lee's quote was comic books are like female breasts, they're great to look at online, but you want to hold them in your hands. <laughs> that was attributed to Stan Lee, uh, so don't don't send me hate mail. That was totally Stan Lee. But I, I am one of those people. I want to go in and browse the comic because I want to pick up the comic and and uh, the old comics, especially, have that smell. Stan was talking about old comic books earlier. Uh, Adventures comics of those comics from the '60s, and nowadays the comics from the '80s because they've they've aged. Obviously, they're 40 years old. I was reading uh, my Crisis on Infinite Earth comics last night, and they had this. The smell, and I wish they'd make a candle of it. But anyway, I'm sidetracking severely. Bugs Comics and Games on Brian Road No O'Fallon. They've got back issues. They've got new comics. They've got toys. They've got games. They just celebrated their second anniversary. Congratulations again, Larry, if you're listening. Um, if you're wanting to get into comics, because we just had the Marvels out in theater, uh, the new Flash movie came out. Maybe you weren't old enough to see Batman 89, but Michael Keaton was in that new movie and you're like, whoa, what is all this stuff coming from? Where, where, where do I start? Talk to Larry when you get to Bugs Comics a game. Say, hey, I like this superhero, or I like Archie Comics, or whatever it is. Larry's got it, and he'll point you in the right direction. Uh, There was a a dad and his son came in the store this past weekend when I was there, and Larry's like, can I help you find something? And the kid goes, I like Star Wars. So Larry goes over to the back, issues, pulls out, here's some new Star Wars comics, here's some other ones, and he's going to give you comics that are in a price range, too. He's not going to like, here's a very expensive comic, you should buy this. Uh, The kid liked Bane, and he said, here's a reprint of the first appearance of Bane that they just came out with this new comic. So he's not going to push the stuff on you. He wants you to be happy and come back. And I've been going to him for 30 years now. It's amazing to think about. He opened up back then. I was riding my bike up to his store uh, before I had my driver's license. He's now moved out to O'Fallon. But if you want to check him out, Bugs Comics and Games on facebook he's brand new to instagram too so please give him a follow there he's posting books and things for sale so you don't have to be local you can buy them from anywhere you are follow bugs comics and games on instagram Uh, larry's the best guy for your comic book knowledge bugs comics and games very proud to have them as our official sponsor here on geek to me radio talking with stan berkowitz we were discussing batman beyond before we went to break and you wrote my favorite episode of Batman Beyond. It's called Out of the Past, and I didn't, I didn't see that. Wait, I, I
1: didn't. Wait, wait, I didn't write that. That, that was on, I that when
0: was, I go on to IMDb. That's lit. That's accredited as you. Sometimes
1: IMDb is wrong. I think Paul Dini uh, wrote that up.
0: Okay, I apologize. I I took IMDb at their words. This is why I I usually ask people. I'm like, IMDb says this. Is it right or wrong? Seventy five percent of the time, they get it right. But uh, that well, that that episode when they brought Rachel Gul back, I didn't see yes, that twist yeah. coming. But, they, I mean, we talked about the series in general. It's such a great series because of the dynamic we mentioned. And I think, I know uh, when, when Kevin was still at the, I think they just did the 25th anniversary of Batman Beyond, they just celebrated it, and Kevin and Will and Tara and Andrea were all out in San Diego for the Comic-Con because they were yeah. releasing yeah, the I box set. I was there, too. You were there yeah. the, but yeah. 25 years later, did you think that this, this would still be so beloved and people, like, the, the fans are clamoring for
1: more? You know what? I, I, you know, when we were doing it, it didn't occur to me, but I, it should have, I mean, cause you know, the, those old Superman things that I watched, they're still, they're still circulating. And, um, at, at a different, uh, comic convention, I interviewed Noel Neal on stage and mm. it, was, it had a big audience. So yeah, this stuff seems to last a long, long time.
0: It's our modern More day so- mythology.
1: Yeah, but more so because it's animation, because animation doesn't quite age uh, as, as poorly as live action. Yeah. Um, so I, maybe that's the reason. It just, and plus, you know, there's a certain age when you see this stuff, and it makes a much stronger impression than it does, say, when you're an adult. Very true. You know, there's a saying, you know, when was the golden age of science fiction writing? And the answer is, when you were 15.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true. Whenever that
1: was, exactly. Yeah, because you've got, obviously,
0: the Ray Bradbury and the people who were, you know, putting all this famous science fiction out there. And even, like, The Twilight Zone in the 60s, for me, I know it's live action, but it still holds up. It's probably one of my top five favorite TV series of all times because the stories are just so good.
1: Do do you remember To Serve Man? Yes. You know, it just...
0: Richard Keel, who played Jaws in the James Bond series, was one of the Canamites. <laughs>
1: I actually wrote a script for him. Did you really?
0: Released.
1: Yeah, not very nice guy. Very nice oh. guy. Um, but th- my point is that that kind of anthological um, storytelling, where you're going to tell the whole story from beginning to end in, in you know 30 minutes, that stuff really makes an impression. It really lasts. Now we have kind of serialization, mm-hmm. and I mean, for example, my, my wife and I watched um, um, Ozark, yeah. you know, during COVID. I mean, we liked it, but can we tell you about one particular episode? Yeah. No, no, we can't. I mean, there, we yeah. don't remember the specific episodes, but we, I mean, in general, we like the show, but, but there's no specific episode that really stands out. There are moments that stand out in, in the different episodes, but no one episode made, made that much of an impression.
0: Yeah, I I just had this conversation. I can't remember who I was talking to earlier this week, but I said when you binge a show, it's different because the seasons blend together. Like when I was watching network TV, when, for example, another one of my favorite shows, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, was on, I had to wait each Tuesday for the Mm -hmm. new episode, and you've got time in between to process. But if you're blowing through two, three, four episodes a night, you know, it's hard to distinguish when this happened or when this character was introduced or anything like that, and there's no individual storytelling it's just an arc
1: right but you know in that half hour or an hour format the stories had a real punch to them you know and and that where you know the writers didn't have to worry about what are we going to do next week with these same characters we can we can have a beginning and an end in within 30 minutes and and that that was strong writing and i think that um, starting with the, um, you know, Batman, the animated series, they, they had that opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. They weren't writing in a serialized format. The serialization didn't start until, um, the, the half hour justice leagues, which was way, way into it.
0: Yeah. Cause um, that was 2001 and they would do parts one and two, but even then like justice league unlimited had the Cadmus storyline going throughout. Well, yeah. Each... That's,
1: what, that's what I was getting to. That, yeah. That's when the serialization started.
0: Yeah. But there was um, but, still you can you can identify this episode. This is the one where Green Arrow and Green Lantern and Supergirl get thrown back to John Carter's. You know, but that's still the Cadmus throughline. So yeah, that's uh, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. But yeah, you're exactly right.
1: It's it's a big difference for writers because um, when you're just doing the the anthology format, any good idea you you can do it. You know, for example, you talked about Paul's uh, script for Out of the Past. That that's a one shot. That's not part of a. Um, um, a bigger storyline, and mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't have had the effect, the impact it had on you, had it been part of a, uh, you know, a, a serial, a serialized format. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm still salty about that. Now, now I, I'm, I usually try to do my research ahead of time, and then I ask if I'm unsure. But lately, IMDb's been on a roll for me, and they haven't let me down. So, IMDb, <laughs> curse you! Now I look like a fool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but to switch gears back to uh, Superman um we've got uh let me stop this from playing first of all thank you joey for pointing that out i don't know why that started up all of a sudden um we'll go back to that all right sorry for listeners uh my automated thing fired off today um but we were talking about superboy you had a you tech you emailed me a great story and we talked about the phraseology that we'll try to use to tell the story about uh your work on superboy if you would if you wouldn't mind relaying that story because it's it's absolutely hilarious
1: well, the, the, I'll tell you the point of the story first, because otherwise it's just going to sound like I'm trying to be uh, a little too X-rated here. But <laughs> the, the point of the story is that are we doing stuff for children or are we just, you know, having a laugh? I mean, h- how seriously do you take uh, the fact that you're entertaining children? Um, and, and know it that I mean, all the stuff that I mean, all the stuff that we're talking about is designed for children. So it came as a surprise to me one day when I was called from a uh, production meeting to the soundstage and I I knew something bad had happened because usually they don't, they don't call you out of a production meeting for nothing. And indeed um, the actress who was playing Lana Lang was named Stacy Heideck. And um, as soon as I got to the soundstage, I look and Stacy is holding in her hand a large, flaccid, green, phallus sex toy. <laughs> and she oh. just immediately, as soon as I came in, she just turned to me and she goes, I'm not putting that on my head. I'm, I, You know, before, you, you, what, what is this about? I had no idea what was going on. How did this ever happen? I mean, that, there was nothing in any script that I worked on that, that indicated anything even remotely approaching that. And, you know, I was... Uh, literally speechless <laughs> the director came over and he goes he goes we don't have to do this i figured out an alternative and I, so i sat i listened to him and i said you know Hugh, that's a good idea let's do that and then the, when i got back to the production meeting the, the line producer was there and you know after the meeting ended I, I asked him what in the world happened how how did how did you know how did she end up holding a giant phallus and uh he said i it was a um, it was a device that I actually drew that was designed to pull the, it was designed to help, a, it was alien technology designed to pull out the, the memories of a person so that they could be duplicated somewhere else. And it was like a, a flap of, a, like a triangular flap of skin that I had drawn. And I gave that to the prop man and uh, hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway the the prop man came up with you know the the three the, the three-dimensional version of what he had was he showed it to the producer before you know a couple days before they were going to shoot the producer looked at it and said you know this thing looks like a penis with legs so i don't know that i maybe the prop man thought that that penis with legs bad <laughs> so penis without legs must be good right? and, and and that is what stacy was holding oh. and rightfully complaining about you know when i got to the sound stage so the the question that any of your, your listeners are, might be having is how in the world could the prop man have thought that bringing a a, a large phallus to the set would go over well or it would be acceptable to anybody. And the answer was that uh, he was the guy who supplied marijuana to the cast. And he must've just thought it was a huge joke. I mean, it's just, some, you know, some stupid oh. piece of crap. You know, he must've thought that the show that the whole show itself is just some stupid piece of crap for, for kids. And who cares, you know, who cares what they were uh, looking at, you know, oh. and, and that attitude, you know, the stupid piece of crap thing, Go went for a whole bunch of um, children's television for a really long time. Oof. I mean, when you when you look back at the the George Reeves Superman, even or going back even further, I don't know if you've seen them, the Batman serials from World War II. And, and I've seen a couple War. clips. Yeah, really cheap, done you know without any thought or consideration to story logic or anything like that. And it's still hey, you know what, we're doing this for kids. I think the change came about when. Um, when you had Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, Bruce Tim doing Batman, the animated series, finally, they were doing something in, I think early 92, 93, right around there. That, that took the audience really seriously, didn't talk down to them. Um, and they ended up with something that, that lasted for re- that has lasted for a really long yeah. time. Yeah. And that adults could look at too. And, yeah. and not have their in, in, intelligence insulted and, and i think batman the animated series um created a a pattern or a format for all the other series from dc that the ones that i worked on for sure
0: yeah i know kevin famously told the story <clears throat> kevin conroy always tells about him coming out for <coughs> batman and they said mm-hmm. what do you know about batman he was in the he was in the meeting with uh, paul and bruce and Andrea. And Kevin mm-hmm. says, well, I know the 66. And they were like, no, 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 no. This is not this is grounded. This is gritty. This is and that all their direction, just telling them that much. This was to be taken seriously um, yeah. informed Kevin's version that we got, which, as you said, has now lasted 30 plus years, 1992. So I think they started recording and filming in like 90, yeah. 91.
1: Probably around there. Yeah. And, and, you, and you know who Kevin's performance informed? everyone's absolutely everyone. Yeah. Uh, as soon as, as, soon as the guest actors heard him, they went, okay, that's the tone of the series. And we would occasionally run into problems, you know, when he, Kevin wasn't around hmm. because the, you know, there'd be actors brought in who would never knew, never knew the show. And maybe, you know, maybe if they were old enough, maybe their, their idea of a superhero show was the old Batman serial. Or, or the Batman TV series right. with Adam West, and they would, you know, tend to overdo it, and you know, they'd be their performances would be excessive. So, yeah. Um, when Kevin was around, it was a real blessing for for the director, the voice director.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: He, he, yeah, yeah, and we miss him very much. By
0: oh the way. yeah. Oh my gosh, I, I've <clears throat> I can count on one hand the number of celebrity deaths that have brought me to tears, and it was just a year ago, a little over a year ago. Now that we lost Kevin, and it was. It still hurts. I, I I keep thinking every so often I, I had to have imagined that, right? Kevin's still around, but that's very, very tragic.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh again, we're talking with Stan Berkowitz for the remainder of the hour here. Uh we've got uh Zachary Nathanson weighing in in the chats and says, Happy early Thanksgiving, everyone. Both Justice League, Superman, Batman, the animated series were groundbreaking. Uh Kevin was the heart of Batman. Yes, uh Zachary, we we completely agree. And you worked on Superman, the animated series as well, Stan. Um, let me take a, yes. one more commercial break. Uh, we'll come back and chat more again. If you have questions, you can text us at 84126, or you can enter the chats like Dan and Zachary and Chance have all done. Uh, or you can give us a call. i try and watch the phones as well. 931-5877 within the 314 area code. If you're outside the 314 area code, dial 314-931-5877. We're going to take another quick commercial break. We'll come right back. And wrap up the hour talking with Stan Berkowitz. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by.
1: This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio.
0: Since we just talked about Kevin, I had to play the return liner, of course, uh, which we play at least once per show uh, ever since he's passed away. It's uh, my little homage to Kevin. Uh, we all miss very much. you're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS, I'm your host, James Enstall. We'll make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor, the people without whom this show would not be possible, and that is, of course, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau, the website, hopefully you know by now, discoverstcharles.com. They were my very first sponsor right out of the gate when I started this Ragtag little scrappy radio show six years ago. Um, And they've been with me ever since. If you've not been down to visit St. Charles lately, you just missed out on the greatest Halloween festival in the country, uh, Legends and Lanterns. But you're in luck. If you're a Christmas fan, they are getting ready to start up the day after Thanksgiving. This coming Friday, you can go downtown St. Charles and experience Christmas traditions. It is the longest running and largest Christmas festival in the country. This is their 49th year. You can go down there. You can literally order chestnuts roasting over an open fire. You can order a cup of authentic wassail from the eight maids of Milken. You can interact with traditional Christmas gift givers from around the country like Santa Lucia, Père Noël, and Father Christmas. And of course, you can make some mischief with the Master of Revels and Jack Frost. These cobblestone streets in this historic district are just picturesque. It looks like right out of a Dickensian story that you've stepped into and you get to experience Christmas from yesteryear so I I'm just letting you know now if you're if you're tired of the hustle and bustle of the malls on Black Friday and you know, beating people over the head for your free waffle iron at Walmart, take a step back, go downtown St. Charles. These are all small businesses. You'll find gifts that you're not going to find at a big box store and it's going to mean more, you're going to have more fun, you're going to enjoy the holiday more. What could be better than that, right? Check them out. Their website, discoverstcharles.com. Under the events tab, you can check out Christmas traditions. doesn't have to be Christmas. There's always something going on around there. And the food, these little, I mentioned the small individual, small business owner shops, the restaurants are like that too. They've got little restaurants. so You're going to find fantastic food to fit whatever your palate is desiring that day. So whether you're from here locally in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, or you're a West Coaster like Stan, plan your trip discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. We have Stan Berkowitz with us for just about another 15 minutes. Uh, The hour has flown by. I wanted to ask you about one of my very favorite shows because I watched it with my dad uh, growing up was TJ Hooker. And I know you said it wasn't as glamorous as it sounds like, oh, you wrote for TJ Hooker. Uh, It was a little bit of a different and you kind of gave us a little bit of a hint of that when we had you on the Justice League Revisited podcast. But if you would just talk a little bit about your experience working on tj hooker good or bad
1: <laughs> well overall it was good i mean I, we we worked on the show there, there were no catastrophes it got done um the 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 most difficult part of it was that we were it became a late night show you, you you could not have watched it with your dad it was eleven thirty at night
0: reruns it was in syndication
1: no it wasn't a rerun it was they were new show the, the season I worked on the last season of it, they, okay. they brought me they brought me this staff writer and I worked on the, the final season and um, the final season was for CBS and it, they switched it from primetime when it, when it was on ABC. They switched. It was on primetime on Saturday nights. Then they switched it, I think, to Friday nights at about eleven thirty. So it was kind of a you know, it didn't it didn't have the um, the the cachet and the attention that uh mm-hmm. that that had in prime time but still i mean yeah, and also the budget was lower but but they they needed to to make those uh extra i think 26 episodes so that they have a, a syndication package and then and it's still in syndication by yeah. the way you still get little checks occasionally
0: that's always nice <laughs> yeah have check them in the mail yeah yeah but I I I know we watched it because I remember he he was a fan of William Shatner because he's the one my dad is the one who introduced me to Star Trek and I know that was in syndication because we're talking early eighties mid eighties um, but I know we watched T J Hooker together too. W-
1: would I be correct in guessing your dad was born around nineteen
0: fifty? Uh, much earlier, my dad. My dad. They they call me a surprise. I know they mean accident. My dad uh, was born in nineteen twenty one.
1: Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, okay that was, that's just, that's the same year uh, my mother was born oh really yeah wow I mean he, he must have had a very young wife at that point yeah my mom. my
0: mom was about uh, I think nineteen years almost twenty years younger than him uh, okay. and my mom's Got still it. my mom's still around my dad sadly passed away several years ago but uh but yeah he was because he, I used to tell stories when I was in you know really young. We'd study World War II. Oh, my dad was there, and all my teachers would say, oh, yeah, you mean your yeah. grandpa, honey?" I said, "No, my dad." Right. And they, the teachers would insist that I was wrong. <laughs> and,
1: and do you have a whole bunch of siblings who are a lot older than you?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm like I said, I'm the baby. Uh, they they okay. always say surprise, by I know they mean accident. It's fine. I've come to accept it.
1: <laughs> well, it was very cool of someone from that generation to be watching Star Trek. Yeah, cause... he loved it. He loved it. Really? Yeah because again, you know, that the sci-fi stuff, superhero stuff is usually designed for for kids really. I mean, yeah. I watched I watched Star Trek when I was about 14, 15. So, you know, we we knew William Shatner from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh yeah, but but again, it, it it's kind of a a kids ghetto almost at that in that era. It's sure. certainly no longer no longer. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. With especially the all the stuff.
0: money you see the big studios putting behind these these projects, you, it's, uh, it's obviously taken
1: very seriously. Yeah, and occasionally losing <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, the last couple, they were, they were comparing box office weekends for the Marvels against The Flash from oh, Warner no. Brothers, and how these two are just like, what are, what, is it superhero fatigue? What are they doing wrong? Uh, as a writer, do you have any insight to what you think?
1: It's a glut on the market. Probably just too much of them. Yeah, I'm curious to see uh, Aquaman coming out uh, next month. I-, I think Jason Momoa has really, really helped that 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 character a lot. brings a sense of humor to it. So I- I'm hoping it'll do well.
0: It's but interesting because when I, when when I grew up reading the comic books, Jason Momoa is nothing like I would think of who no. I would cast for no. Aquaman. But it okay. works. While on the other hand, I would never have cast Ezra Miller as certainly not Barry Allen, maybe no. as, as, uh, as impulse. And that did not work at all. So it's just, I guess it's Jason Momoa being able to own the role.
1: The sense of humor that he brings to mm-hmm. it. Um, unfortunately for the flash, th- there was not that sense of humor uh, in the, in the movie, yeah. in the movie. Um, it, it, Ezra Miller, it brought, kind of, it seemed just kind of downcast. But I love the idea of the alternate worlds. It was fant- a great, great idea to yeah. do that. Loved watching that. And it, at, at the end, it kind of made up for, for whatever um, flaws I saw yeah. it, it, you know, earlier in the movie, to, to have them go, going through all those different worlds, meeting all those different characters. What a great idea. And that, of course, is based on the... It all started with Flash of Two Worlds, that episode. Yeah, way back in the 60s, close. yeah. Would that be 61, 60, 61, Gardner Fox? Um,
0: It would have been a little late, because I think uh, the Silver Age Flash made his debut in 61, no, 59, 59 was showcase number four. So yeah, maybe you're right. That might've been, because he was already around by then. So yeah, you could be right. Um, Anyone in in the chats is able to lock it in for me. Um, We just had someone who is listening from the 747 area code. Um, Oh, his name's Mark. I've known Stan since uh, seventh grade and he's always the smartest guy in the room. So ah. if you, if you know a Mark in the seven, four, seven area code, Stan, he's confirming with us. You are the smartest guy in the room.
1: <laughs> I wonder who that is. I do um, I know a Mark in the, uh, in the eight, one, eight area code.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Huh. I mean, unless okay. maybe it's got, I, I'm not even sure what the seven, four, seven area code is right off. Um, we do have Zachary Nathanson in our chats on the live stream it says, Stan, this may be an oddball question. Uh, despite what happened to the live action film, do you ever see Batgirl Barbara Gordon getting her own animated movie or animated series one day?
1: I don't see why not. I mean, you know, it seems like a good idea. But the fact that the the series, the, the and a very expensive movie was was shelved like that probably it, it'll it probably stain that character in much the same way that the Green Lantern movie that, that came out uh, several years ago stained the Green Lantern character yeah. for a while. So that would, it you know, eventually she'll, she'll show up. I'm sure just as, uh, you know, there'll be more Green Lanterns, but they have to, they have to shelve it for a while. I, I will tell you this it, it, at DC, when I first started working there um, back in 1990, um, the executives there are very, very protective of the characters. As hmm. yes, they should because, be. Because they've had problems. Yeah. You know, um, the Superman uh, serial, if you remember those, where the, the flying is done with an animated, with a cartoon. They literally cut from live action to a cartoon, hmm. like the uh, T- Tony the Tiger commercials, <laughs> where, where, where Kirk Allen would run behind a boulder, and then out would fly an animated Superman. And that's how they did their flying effects. And it was just embarrassing. It was embarrassingly awful, particularly because, and Dan Reva will react to this, I know, because over at at Republic Studios, at the same time, they were doing really good flying effects with their character, who was alternately called Rocket Man and Commando Cody. Hmm. They, They did wires. The Lidecker brothers did incredible special effects there. And it, but but over at Columbia with Superman they were doing an animated thing and it just it looked terrible. Hmm. I mean it wasn't it didn't even have the quality of the, the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons. The, the the mixture of live action animation just didn't work. Hmm. So my my friends the executives I worked for at uh, at DC they, they were they were gun shy about about this. They were very very cautious about doing stuff that's, that was embarrassing. In terms of embarrassments, there was Superman Four uh, that Cannon did, and even Superman Three did with uh, Richard Pryor. It, it seemed like an odd combination that that didn't work terribly well.
0: I've got a soft spot because, again, like you said, it's nostalgia. That was the first Superman movie that I saw in theaters. Right, was with right, Richard Pryor. Right, so, and I, and I'm a Richard Pryor fan. Like, if I had to put up a a, a what you call it a Mount Rushmore of com- comedians, Richard Pryor sure. would get a spot on the wall for me. So that's. Little soft spot. I understand your point completely because it's not a great movie, but I've always got that little soft spot for it.
1: Well, for Richard Pryor, of course, but it just didn't work. Right. <laughs> the movie didn't work terribly well with him. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it was... it, you know, spend a little, just spend much less money and just have a concert footage of him.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I can't believe it's already, this hour is already blown by. I know we've got to get out of here for, uh, make way for Max on movies, who is up next um as we're parting Stan I I remind the audience if they want to keep up with you uh website social media handles things like that is it is it Facebook is it Twitter is it Instagram where can they find you
1: nowhere (laughs) sorry to say that um that's why you're the smartest um, man in the room because you know to stay away from social media (laughs) Susan's podcast I think and um but if they're patient, if they remember my name, I'm I'm working on a book. There's some of the stuff that we talked about yeah. tonight will be in a book. Um, I'm not sure when it when it might happen, but my best guess would be sometime around the beginning of summer, so that um, I could go maybe to the San Diego Comic Con and then later in the fall to the New York Comic Con to publicize it. But it's all very tentative. Just you know, keep my name in mind if you can remember all the way for another six months or so.
0: Well, and like oh. I said, we I, I need to have you back because I mean I've got pages of stuff. They're from IMDb, so half of it's probably wrong now, which I'm still <laughs> salty about. But uh, I—I'd love to have you back on. So as it gets closer, email me again because we can have you on, talk about more stuff, and and promote the book too. I'd be—I'd love to have you back on.
1: Well, I'd be very grateful for that, and we had a wonderful time talking to you. And thank you very much for inviting me.
0: No, likewise, and anytime, and uh, we'll stay in touch, and and uh, we'll talk again soon. I hope.
1: And I wish a very happy Thanksgiving to you and all your listeners. So thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. We appreciate it. And I know the Take listeners care. do too. Thanks. Be well.
1: Take care, James.
0: There he goes. Bye. Emmy award-winning writer, Stan Berkwitz. I just, all the stories, my goodness. That we, like I said, I need about a three or four hour show uh, to get through all the stuff that I would have loved to have talked about with Stan. And this happens with all the guests. We just get into it. And I feel like the hour just blows by. However, when I'm sitting in traffic, an hour feels like five hours. So I need to find something to do with uh, how to manipulate time. But if you, uh, yeah, so if you, if you have any questions that you want to ask, Stan, you can always email us, geek to me at gmail.com, and I'll try to pass those questions along. And uh, I appreciate all the people who did text on both the live stream and the regular uh, KTRS text lines tonight. We appreciate all of you listening and, of course, and tuning in. Um, Dan Reba says he can't wait to read that book. Uh, so there's uh there's two copies already sold for you, Stan. Me and and Dan Reba. Nostalgic Pod Blast in the chat says the Vera robot was cool in Superman three. Cigarette tar, Superman fighting Superman was cool in Superman three. So yeah, I enjoyed aspects of that movie. I I agree with you, Nostalgic Pod Blast. That was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things. Nostalgia is great, which is why I love doing this show because I get to talk to fantastic people uh, like Stan and. Um, again, you can catch him. If you didn't already go find justice league revisited the podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, type in justice league revisited Susan Eisenberg and I host a show. We drop it every two weeks. Stan's episode is already out where we covered in blackest night. It was a uh, two-parter. So we had Phil Lamar who voiced John Stewart, Green Lantern. Come on for the other part of that one. Our episode with Kevin hops, the writer just dropped for the enemy below. And I'm currently, in the process of editing our conversation with George Newbern, the voice of Superman for injustice for all. We've already got some great people lined up because we're trying to record these ahead so that Susan and I can have the holiday break without having to do any work (laughs) during December. So we've got some great, we just got done. I know it's not a secret because we promoted on Twitter. Uh, We interviewed Michael McHuston and Christopher Carter, two-thirds of Dynamic Music Partners, to talk about the music of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. We got some great stories from the two of them, and we're already scheduled to record with a few more of the voice actors who shall remain nameless at the moment because I want to surprise you all. So make sure you check out Justice League Revisited. What did I say? Did I say something? George Newbern? Yeah. We announced him. Yeah. Yes. And see, Joey loves George. Everyone loves George. It's he's, I was editing that podcast and I texted Susan. I said, he's just got such an exuberance in his voice. Um, so if you're a justice league fan, hopefully you've checked out justice league, revisited the podcast and we're going to plan a live watch along. So Susan and I are going to live tweet an episode. We haven't decided when it will probably be after the first of the year. So if you're a fan, uh, follow us on twitter at o g justice League and we 'll announce there when we plan to do our live tweet of a show, an episode and follow me on Twitter at geek to me radio and you will always inform you of when we 're having great guests like Stan Berkowitz on to talk about the work we do here and if you 're watching us on YouTube, hopefully you 've hit that little subscribe button that 's there so you don 't miss an episode. Hit the bell notification you 'll know when we go live and that way you'll know and be informed when we have a new episode coming up uh thank you as always to joey v i'm gonna grab the wrong camera again aren't i joey v right over there producing the show i'm gonna do both cameras just to be safe there's joey look at him he's gorgeous helping us out with all the video which is why you all got to see stan tonight it's all thanks to joey v who makes the show sound and look as good as it does uh, that's going to do it. Another show in the books. I hope you all enjoyed everything tonight. Uh, my thanks once again to my sponsors, the Raider St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau, DiscoverStCharles.com, and to Bugs Comics and Games, Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook, and Bugs Comics and Games on Instagram. And thank you to Stan Berkowitz, my guest. Until next week, my friends. It's not
1: in the way you want I sound.
0: Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. bit.ly slash geek to me, bit.ly slash geek to me.